funny to do like you know like a blooper reel or something like talk about like trying to figure out the sound with two people at first and like people had like an unplugged microphone because the sound was actually better yeah (laughs) that's actually really funny is it i think it's recording all right either way we'll have the audio at the very least that's good enough (laughs) (laughs) figure it out in the future all right, and we're live. Welcome, everybody, to Notable Quotables, your new favorite podcast. Today, I have my guest with me, a very good friend of mine, a renowned spiritual life coach, dear, very dear friend, Shula. Hello, Shula. Hi. Thank Hi. you for having me. My pleasure. You want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. So I'm a spiritual life coach. I'm an energy healer. I'm a yoga teacher. And it's really my mission and my passion to just help uplift the world, to help people heal, mm-hmm. to help them live more joyful, abundant, genuinely happy lives. And I love it. I love, I love sharing it with the world. That is beautiful. Do you want to give us a little bit about how you got into this, this kind of this part of the world, this part of your journey, how did you step foot into it as much as you want to go in depth? Um, well, you know, the universe always works in just really, really fun ways. And both mm. things kind of were presented to me, both teaching yoga, where one time mm. the actual teacher of the class didn't show up and the sub didn't show up. Mm. And some people in the back of the class were just like, hey, Shula, you want to teach the class? <laughs> and I'm like, my pleasure. I'd yeah. be happy and people loved it um and I just was very clear you know like hey this is my first class teaching but I want to share the gift of yoga with you and as far as life coaching Mm -hmm. way before I actually even knew what a life coach was somebody messaged me on Facebook and she said Shula you know you're so positive you're so Mm -hmm. upbeat you have such good knowledge would you coach me Mm -hmm. and I was like coach you how (laughs) yeah my first came to mind was sports and I'm not you know not really sports and she's like oh you know like a life coach you know like you kind of help me bridge the gap from where I am to where I want to go and share your knowledge with me and Mm -hmm. help me see what I can't see on my own and I'm like, sure, I would love to. And she told a couple of people, and I just mm-hmm. found a lot of passion and joy and fulfillment in it. And then I got several certifications through various programs mm-hmm. and continuing on my journey. That is really beautiful. Yeah, it's just like you, it's almost like you were literally just chosen by the universe. Like, hey, we want you to come do this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. All right. I think I will give you the honor of sharing the quote that you brought to the table with us first. Okay, awesome. So the quote that really came to me to Mm -hmm. share today is by Rumi, a man whose name was Jalal, sorry for the mispronunciation, (laughs) um, Ad-Din Muhammad Rumi. Mm-hmm. He was a Persian poet, a Sufi mystic in the 13th century, and he really started writing poems and quotes out of the pain and grief of losing his best friend. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. how the experience transformed him and helped him be such an amazing spiritual teacher right. to the world at large. And the quote from Rumi is, your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all barriers within yourself you've built against it. One more time. Your task is not to seek for love, 
but merely to seek and find all barriers within yourself that you've built against it. I think that that's amazing. That really resonated with me. Do you want to, do you want to go into what you think that means or what that means for you? Sure. I think a lot of us are seeking for love in mm -hmm. different ways, maybe mm -hmm. in partnership, maybe mm -hmm. in friendship, mm -hmm. maybe with children. Mm -hmm. And to me, what this really means is that the love is always available to us. Yeah. My personal belief is that we are love. The essence of us is love. The essence of every being is love as we are in the image of our creator, God, goddess, source creator, you know, whatever word or energy resonates with, mm. with each of our wonderful listeners. Right. And we're in the essence of love. So we, mm. we just get to tune into who we truly are to experience love. Right. How about you? Um, yeah, I think that I, I really, really like the quote. I think it's so eloquently put. Um, I think for me, uh, it speaks to, yeah, this idea that we, I think we get stuck in a scarcity mindset, kind of a survival mode mindset that is very often associated with things like, um, like monetary or material wealth. But I mean, more importantly, at least in my opinion, is when we get stuck in that in terms of, yeah, the idea of something like love. Like there's a finite amount of love. There's a finite amount of available partners or friends out there. And I got to go get and secure mine and hide them and lock them away from others, you know. Um, and I think we get more in that mindset when we're having trouble in relationships or finding relationships, uh, regardless of whether they're like intimate partner relationships or just, you know, friendly relationships. But I think that, that's it, it's kind of a it's a cycle that we don't see often without outside input of I'm getting in this mindset and that's what's deterring these relationships from being able to come into me because you're you're resonating in a place of, of fear in a place of um, you know lack you're not acknowledging the abundance and I think that often we we have these barriers up inside of us that kind of prevent us from getting uh, the love that we want. Uh, I saw this great quote yet the other day, actually, it was kind of similar. It said, uh, I believe it was, they fear love because it creates a world they cannot control. And I think that applies to maybe like the they, as well as just like us inside of ourselves. Like it's, it's very scary. You know, if you think about something as powerful as love, like it, it can make you do things that you never thought you were capable of for better and for worse. And that's scary. It's very scary. Right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know, the idea of seeking it, because if we're mm -hmm. seeking something, that would imply that you don't have it already. Mm -hmm. And as opposed to really tuning in to what is available to you, the essence of who you truly are. Right. And when we think about some of those barriers, you mentioned some really good ones. I think a lot of it can come down to worthiness, too. A mm -hmm. lot of us may not actually feel worthy of giving and receiving love from yeah. another person or to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's such a self-imposed barrier that a lot of people have learned maybe from their childhood or yeah. from other people around them. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I think that's, that's a really big one. The worthiness. Um, I think that it's, it's, that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing that keeps people from succeeding in general. You know, um, I think it's called like, 
imposter syndrome when somebody starts to like reshape themselves and become someone new and they're kind of going off on a new venture and they kind of get this internal dialogue of like I'm pretending to be something I'm not um which comes from I mean you're not you're not pretending you're you're creating this new character that you are it's not a false character it's just one that's still in the making it's not the character you've always been it's not the programming you've always had so there's part of you that's like oh well this isn't real well it's becoming real it's it's real as you make it um but i would say definitely for me i know as a part of my own journey that kind of worthiness in terms of all facets of life and love and relationship has been a big part of that you know accepting that i do feel worthy of abundance and relationships and things like that and just kind of getting into a place where it's like, even if I feel like I can't always connect with the people around me, but I will attract the right ones. You know, they may be far and few, but, you know, quality over quantity, I think is very important. I agree. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the sort of attracting, depending where our vibrational set point is, can actually be some of the barriers that we have built up when mm -hmm. we are not in a healed state and we are in a state that we still feel unworthy or mm -hmm. we've become accustomed to certain treatment from other people. Maybe they right. even call some of that treatment love. Mm -hmm. And then until we do do that inner work on ourselves and we do heal ourselves, we are going to continue or we may not always continue mm -hmm. to attract people that are going to reflect our beliefs about ourselves and how right. we see ourselves for good or worse, mm -hmm. you know, and really taking a look at like how we view ourselves mm -hmm. and how we want to give and receive love and just, you know, thinking what, what does love even mean? Because it has so many different yeah. meanings and connotations to other people, to each individual. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, I know for me, one of my favorite quotes about love, one that I was maybe going to have on another episode, but it just ties in so well now is, um, you know, John Mayer and the song love is a verb. He just, you know, he says love is a verb. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember hearing that song at a very young age. And I wouldn't say I'd ever necessarily been in love at that point, or even really thought about the idea of like, what is love? But I just remember hearing that song and just like really resonating and like, it's one of those things where even still today, maybe like 10 years later, I'm still thinking about that quote and that idea that love is a verb. And as I've gone throughout my like philosophical journey, I find that resonates the most. Like love is the actions one takes upon whatever the object or person or idea is that they love. It's showing that care. It's showing that affection. It's, it's it's a it's a doing but also a being you know just being in you know if you if you love if you love being like uh let's say ambitious you know like if you love that state of being then you you seek out or put yourself into scenarios where you can be ambitious where you can thrive in that way because you love it you love that state you give it attention energy and focus I think it's the same thing like with a partner. You give them that love in whatever way your love language is and whatever way their love language is, and you kind of meet in the middle. Right. 
which which could be another beautiful conversation about yeah. giving and receive loving love in different love languages and um, you know I think there's starting to become a lot more beautiful awareness about that but mm -hmm. some people may not even actually know what that is either mm -hmm. um, yeah and and I think that sometimes it's really interesting how you mentioned like the doing and mm -hmm. the being and sometimes there's a big disconnect between what we're feeling what we're doing and that could play into self-sabotage that could play oh, yeah. into limiting beliefs things that we're believing to be true it could be um you know just sometimes as humans we desire to do something without actually being able to do it mm -hmm. and that to me that really ties into the quote that's a barrier that we place within ourselves that disconnect between mm -hmm. the feeling and the doing and mm -hmm. sometimes it comes when we don't really love ourselves it's really it can be really hard to give that love to someone else mm -hmm. in a way that they feel loved by i i agree i think that that is one scenario where it's not like love is ever finite but it has to start at home you know right. it's like if you if you're not giving the proper amount of love to yourself i mean we do as people have maybe a certain amount of energy output for the day per se you know and love is one form of that energy and if we haven't given it to ourselves and then we would like to give it to a partner we may be limited in that way in terms of how we can express it, how much we can express it because we haven't filled up our own cup first. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I really enjoy how you mentioned home. Um, I'm not sure who said it, so sorry to the author. Like, home is where the heart is. Mm -hmm. And for me, mm -hmm. the heart is really our essence, is our place of love, of that feeling and when I think about the word love for me mm -hmm. it really means being in my heart center true self right and then inviting in a connection from my heart to my brain mm -hmm. and then from there the actions can come and right. when we have that disconnect you know between our brain and our heart sometimes it's hard to really truly experience love and mm -hmm. when we can tune into that beautiful heart space and just allow that place of love our true essence it's really beautiful mm -hmm. what happens and if we just take baby steps five seconds a day 30 seconds a day to tune into the energy of love as a mm -hmm. start mm -hmm. that's a great point of taking time throughout the day to just tune into the energy of love like uh yeah i think that kind of ties into like the idea of self-care things like that you know yes literal literal self-love doing things throughout the day to show yourself love to remind yourself that you're worthy of being loved absolutely um oh yeah i wanted to get your perspective kind of on something you were saying um so I think that a lot of the time people will get into states where they may be actively not seeking love in terms of like a romantic, intimate partnership type relationship um, for various kinds of reasons. Um, and that may or may not be what's best for them. You know, it's for them to discern. Um, but I think a lot of the times when people get into that, 
they might say or others might say, oh, they're making head over heart decisions right now. Um, so I kind of wanted to get your perspective on if do you think that's kind of a truth? Um, does that something that resonates when you think about it? Um, and do you think that it's, it's a positive path for someone to go in general in terms of making a head over heart decision? Because the way you explained it, like you, you said, like you kind of feel it in your heart and then it translates into your brain and then into your actions. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Um, that's really come with a lot of self-inquiry for me with working with a lot of coaches. I think for a good part of my life, I was actually very much head-centered versus heart-centered, mm -hmm. as many, many, many people are. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like as children, primarily, we start off as heart-centered, being the expression mm -hmm. of the essence of who we are, yeah, which is yeah. absolute love. And then... We have different experiences and mm -hmm. we go through different things and then we kind of learn through society how to be more in our head, you know, like yeah. use your brain type of thing yeah. versus use your heart. Yeah. And so I do think that when we're head centered, head over heart, um, we're not we can be in the essence of love. You know, we do still mm. experience feelings of love from, you know, depending on our love language, from our physical senses, from mm. things that we're believing to be true and what we're believing to be true can create a feeling, you mm. know, our point of focus can, can create that feeling of love in our heart. And, um, I think when people primarily exist in a brain over heart, that might be a barrier that they've built against love. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. they're not allowing themselves to tune into the feeling and the expression of love and happiness. And it's just such a beautiful reminder because so many people go through their lives completely in survival mode. They yeah. don't even think that say like happiness or love is even a possibility, let yeah. alone an active desire to say, mm -hmm. how can I tune into the energy of this more? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just some people's reality. However, mm -hmm. you know, the energy of love, as we've said before, is truly who we are. Mm -hmm. And this is just an invitation for everybody right now to just take a moment and place one hand and the other over your heart just tune into this energy, you know, for a few minutes and or a few mm -hmm. seconds even and just notice how that feels to be in your true essence of love. Yeah. And if your brain kicks in and says, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, that's weird, you're definitely brain over heart <laughs> <laughs> in this moment. Yeah. And it's being able to greet with whatever arises. I mean, we have so many thoughts as humans. We have so many sensations happening. Mm -hmm. And I think we're really have learned for the most part to really be brain centered, to, mm -hmm. to like, think about things, to analyze things. And there's, there's value in that for sure. Mm -hmm. And finding that balance of maybe sometimes it is important to be head centered. And allowing that time and space to be heart-centered as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, first, I, think I want to thank you for us taking those few seconds to center into the heart space. It's always good to do. Um, 
and I hope our listeners joined in, or maybe we'll take a you know a few seconds, a few minutes to do that later today. However, that resonates for you. Um, so something that I thought about when we were talking about that was how two very common phrases like in our society or are like, you know, I'll think about, think it over, I'll think about it versus like, I'll feel it out, you know, like those are two right. very common phrases. And I feel like, I, I mean, I'm sure I've probably used them interchangeably. I think about them pretty much interchangeably. Um, I think that kind of ties into what you're talking about. I feel like whenever I've listened to very successful people talk in whatever walk of life it may be, um, they very often talk about using their intuition, using their gut feeling, you know, just following how they feel for better or for worse, and that's what they stick with. Um, but these are also people who are like, it's very important to do your homework, to know, you know, what it is is it expected of you, to know what you know, goes on in whatever industry is happening to stay up to date on things, you know, so that when the time comes to make decisions, you can trust yourself, you know, and I think that that's, that's very important. There's people who are very successful because a lot of them, what they, what made them successful is doing something they're passionate about, doing something that really resonates with them in their heart space, you know, so I think that they, I think that a large part of their success is finding that balance of like, I trust that my heart's in the right place. I know that I've done my homework. I know and can trust that my brain is going to lead me to the right decision because I've gone through the proper process. You know, does that does that kind of make sense to you? What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that that can be true for some people and. Mm-hmm. You know, our predominant beliefs, which a belief is just the thought we keep thinking Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, that's usually backed up by people Mm -hmm. around us, by other people saying that. Yeah, we accept it as our reality. Right. And so the predominant belief that we have that we're acting upon, Mm. whether it's Mm brain-centered or heart-centered, is Mm. what's what we're going to experience most in our life. And, mm. you know, that will be one of those barriers. Again, is what what we're believing to be true mm-hmm. about ourselves, about actions that we're taking, about, you know, when you use ambition, you know, what we're believing to be true that we'll get out of it. Right. Like why we're doing the thing that we're doing. And, and examining that why. Why are we doing the thing that we're right. doing? You know, why... Why am I taking this action? Why am I not taking this action? Mm-hmm. What am I wanting to gain? What am I wanting to feel? Um, you know, as Abraham Hicks says, like we only do anything ever because we think we're going to feel better in the having of it. We only want something because we think we're going to feel better in the having of it. And then it kind of comes after a feeling. We're really after a feeling mm-hmm. from an action. And when we can tune into that feeling, mm-hmm. It's really interesting what arises where we land with that. Mm. Can you repeat that that uh, quote again from Abraham Hicks? Sure. Uh, they say we only want something because we think we're going to feel better in the having of it. Yes. Okay. I think that that's great. I really like that. I think that that really speaks to like yeah, like the materialistic culture we can get into. I think that we. We think that when we get the house, the car, the, you know, the whatever, that's going to make us happy. 
And I think that we're getting more to a place as a society where it's more about, it's the journey that brought me happiness. But I think that even more so than that, I, I want to bring it back to kind of like that, that state of being. Like if you, if you got all those things while being in a state that was undesirable, then you may have just programmed yourself over all those years or however long it took you to get those things to be in that, you know, undesirable state. And then once you have them, you might think, well, now I've got them, I'll be happy, I'll be joyful, whatever. But those things in of themselves are not joy. Joy is, is a state of being that you create within yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think, actually, that's a perfect transition into, I think, the quote that I brought today, which is... Um, I know nothing of the, the Bible or Christianity. So for anybody, if I'm misquoting this or I'm not quoting the most proper version, I apologize. Uh, but I believe this was, let me make sure I got it. It was Isaiah like 57 or something, but it was, um, no weapon formed against me shall prosper or prevail. And I heard that funny enough, like on a TikTok the other day, just like scrolling through, um, but for some reason it stuck in my head and kept resonating. And then it just kind of came to me like with my internal like monologue, it's, uh, you know, like it said, it kept, it kept going. It was like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No, only weapons formed within you shall prosper. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> uh, for me, I think it, yeah, it ties really into like the barriers we're talking about. I think that there's no one can make you sad no one can make you happy no one can make you prideful no one can make you joyful no one can make you angry those are all conscious states you create within yourself you know obviously there is some level of reaction we are biological beings but then you get to choose how you respond to your emotional reaction you know there's there's always a time lapse you know somebody says something oh i'm offended oh i'm angry do you act on now? Now you have the opportunity to respond to it. How am I going to respond to it? Oh, someone said I look beautiful. That may make you sad. It may make you angry as opposed to joyful or happy as they may have intended. Um, but the thing is, you created it within yourself. And so I think that we, we, we are the only ones who can create weapons or states of beings or things within ourselves that stop us from being able to, to prosper and to prevail in life. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack here with this one. Um, and, you know, I think it's really good to just keep in mind that you and I have, you and I practice that around like our choice of response, our mm -hmm. choice of mm -hmm. emotions. And for many people who haven't yet practiced that, mm -hmm. they would say that's not a choice. They would say, Oh yeah. That, yeah. That, that anger would not be a choice. Mm -hmm. It's just a physiological feeling that arises in their body. Yeah. And I would say that that, that is true for some people, you know, especially mm -hmm. if, if somebody takes an action against somebody else that causes a physical pain, for instance, and they're experiencing pain right, in their right. body. However, how we choose to react to it after that is a choice. Yes. Do we... Do we choose to continue to focus on that? Do we choose to start our healing journey, you know, after the physical pain has subsided? Can we mm -hmm. choose to 
forgive people for our own self and for our own well-being mm-hmm. um, at that point. And it also could really come down to a belief system. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I believe everything is working out for the highest and best good for myself and others. Somehow, some way mm-hmm. that I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. it is working out. And when, if you kind of come at it from that mindset, then yeah, no weapon against you can prosper mm-hmm. because everything is somehow, some way unfolding. And I know that could be triggering for a lot of people that mm-hmm. have traumatic experiences and they're, you know, like, how could this possibly be for my highest and best good? Right. And I don't know the answer. That's just my <laughs> personal belief yeah. um, belief system. But right, it's it's where our and I don't know the author of this, but where our attention goes, our focus goes, where our energy goes is what we're focusing on. Where our focus goes, our energy goes. I've heard it said lots of different ways. Yeah, yeah. And if we're continuing to focus on that weapon, you know, through law of attraction, saying mm-hmm. like, it's harmful to me, um, this is going to hurt me, mm-hmm. I'm creating, and then you're from that belief of the weapon, whatever that weapon might be right that's where your focus is and it, mm-hmm. and sometimes just saying like i have no idea how <laughs> in the world this is for me but thank you yeah it kind of shifts the perspective and mm-hmm. um at that point you know it's not a weapon forming against you that's prospering you're prospering mm-hmm. and you're able to tune into your own innate inner power as being created in the essence of love that you are and that and love is really really powerful yeah yeah i think that the idea that everything is always working out for us for our highest good and for the highest good of others is definitely something that i would say is a prevailing ideology quite yet it's it's obviously it's gaining traction uh thankfully um but yes i mean i know like, for me, hearing phrase when I was younger, hearing phrases like, oh, God works in mysterious ways. I'm like, well, that's a cop-out. <laughs> that's a total cop-out. Like, all right, that doesn't, what, what does that, what good does that do me? Um, but, you know, you can replace God with the universe or whatever. But, yeah, obviously, as I've come further, my, further on my journey, um, I kind of acknowledge that you, we have to accept that we we have limited knowledge. We always have limited knowledge because we can't have infinite knowledge. But in terms of at any given moment, we only know how a situation has made us feel and how it has worked out for us in that very moment. I think that we can open our perspective and look on the bright side and things like that, but we never know how these events will tie into other events that may happen in the future that prove to truly be for our highest good. And I think that part of the reason... I would say this resonates at least for me. I think that the idea that something that is very traumatic or hurtful or very trying on our emotional, you know, psychological selves, I think part of the reason it may be easy to be offended or triggered by the idea that, oh, you know, essentially it's all going to work out for you. This is in some way good for you, I think is because whenever, when those things happen, Generally, I think people feel weak 
and I think that, that I think I think they feel like yeah like they're lesser than they don't feel worthy you know they they got treatments or an outcome they didn't want they felt like they didn't deserve but now maybe because they got it they feel like that's what they deserve but that's all they deserve um, as opposed to feeling like a strong confident worthy person and then so I think that you know maybe you know the brain the ego kind of translates oh, you know, this is for your highest good, as opposed to hearing that, I feel like the ego may hear, you deserve this, you know? And in the moment, it's like, you don't want to believe that, maybe you do, but it still makes you angry because there is your, I feel like your, your eternal self knows, obviously you don't deserve anything that's not for your highest good. Right. But not knowing in the moment that something's not for your highest good makes you have that reaction. Right. And, you know, we certainly don't want to minimize any experiences that people are having. No, because no. so many people have very traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. And when you're in it, in that moment, you know, I have, have mm -hmm. trauma myself. Mm -hmm. And when you're in it, in that moment, mm -hmm. it's not, it can be, if depending on where you are in your journey, you say like, okay, somehow, someway, this is happening for my highest and best good. But you may you may not be there. You may not even be like even remotely close to being there. And in that moment, you're going to feel all the emotions, all the feelings, mm. all the thoughts, anything that's happening for you in that experience. And, right. and what my understanding is like what Avi and I are talking about is kind of like after the experience. Like how do we start processing through it mm. after that and trying to see that maybe we can see it in the moment. And maybe not. And for many of us, we are not even yeah. close to being able to see it in the oh, moment yeah. at all, especially when it's really traumatic and or painful or, you know, hurtful. Um, and just being authentic with ourselves is mm -hmm. really actually an act of self-love and self-care is yeah. being truly authentic with yourself and just saying, I'm feeling 6,000 things right now. And each and every one of those is valid. Mm -hmm. And sometimes going into, you know, a complete state of trauma, you may not even feel anything. You're totally in your oh, fight yeah. or flight modality. Yeah. Um, but then when we can come into it afterwards, you know, like, okay, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That experience is not going to mm. define who I am because our essence is love and coming into our true essence, or maybe it does define people and you can take it and mm -hmm. turn it around into like a way of helping other people or mm -hmm. a way of powerful growth. Um, you know, sometimes we grow out of the mud, you know, as lotus flowers yeah. like them and yeah. we grow from these really hard, painful experiences that, that we can have. But looking at our, you know, our whole lives and how do we really become the people that we want to be mm -hmm. and not letting somebody else take that from us, if you will, or mm -hmm. redefine mm -hmm. us as opposed to us choosing our, our way of being and who we want to be. Mm -hmm. And lots of people are stuck in past trauma you know many 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 people have had trauma mm -hmm. and 
thinking about, you know, if I know this weapon against me can't prosper, what's the opposite of that? Like, how mm. do I prosper? How do I flourish? How do I thrive? Mm. Not this weapon prospering, yeah. but me thriving. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, um, shifting. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, you know, and even kind of thinking about, like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm saying is like, how do I prosper? Kind of bringing the focus back onto yourself, not even the weapon at all. Because mm-hmm. even if you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that weapon's dead, yeah. that's still not actually focusing on what you want, right. and what you want to feel, and what you want to desire, and what you want to experience, and who you want to be. Mm-hmm. You're still focused on that thing over there. And sometimes it takes focus to heal. Sometimes yeah. we have to focus on it, but then eventually we can choose to come back to ourselves and say, okay, how do I prosper? What's what's What does prosperity look like for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. If you're still focusing on, you know, how the weapon did not prosper, you like, yeah, your energy is still going towards the weapon. I agree, I, and I think that, especially when you when you like kind of use weapon as synonymous with like I say trauma, you know, yeah, you do, you know, or rather, let me say it's it generally is highly beneficial to put some level of focus into trauma, how it affected you, how it continues to affect you. And what steps you can take towards, you know, your healing process and, you know, how you want to define yourself. You know, I think that it's, it's very easy to fall into a place of, where, of letting our traumas or our missteps or quote-unquote failures define us. And I think that we should always be aware of how they are actually a part of what made us who we are and are always going to be a part of what makes us we are when you become the best version of yourself all those experiences are still a part of you it's just that instead of choosing to let those individual events and experiences define you you rather define yourself as you know someone who is resilient who persevered who has strength and you know someone who loves themselves and you know things of that nature um I don't know if someone else may said it first, but I heard it from Ralph Smart. He said, you've survived 100% of the hardest experiences in your life. Every every last one, everything that you thought was going to, to beat you, to break you, it, it, it was insufferable, you're still here. And you still have the chance to prosper and prevail. You know, And that may take time. It may take a lot of time. I know that even for me, like there's things that have happened in the past where like, I don't know yet how this helped shape me or, you know, it still may upset me to this day. I just, and sometimes I have to, if the thoughts come up, sometimes I have to sit with it. All right, this keeps coming up. Maybe it's reflecting in my behavior. Maybe there's a situation around me that is reminding me of it. How do I acknowledge this? But then I have to get away, get away from it. Um, and I think that, um, I feel like a big part of, what we're talking about can be found in conversations that people generally have with those who are much older, much seasoned, much more experienced in life because they've gone through a life that may have had trials and tribulations, successes and failures, and then have had a significant amount of time to just sit back and reflect on it all and be like, well, you know, it all brought me to the place that I'm at today. Or now maybe it took 20, 30 years for a single experience 
to be like, huh, well, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal or it was a big deal, but it shapes my perspective on life in this way. Or maybe it's like, huh, this experience made me this kind of way for 10, 20, 30 years. I can't believe I let that happen. I don't want to be like that anymore. It, it takes time. And I think that this is what attracts people to, to two things, to things like meditation and healing and to things like psychedelics, because these are both things that can give you that outside perspective, those transcendent experiences, even though they may be fleeting, to acknowledge that those states of being are even possible. If, if you're constantly in a state of worry, fear, anxiety, survival mode, and you meditate and you only have, you know, three full breaths of actually feeling at peace, you now know within yourself it's possible. And that, that can be life-changing. Exactly. And I just invite everybody right now to know that, just as Avi just said, healing is possible for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do get to have it. it mm-hmm. It's moment by moment, you know. Maybe it is those three seconds of deep breathing and meditation or being at the gym mm-hmm. or something where you're just being fully present. Um, or maybe it's a different modality or a different choice. But it is possible for you no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Healing is possible for you happiness is possible for you or at least continued moments of happiness and choosing Mm -hmm. to focus on that um and coming back to the quote you know no weapon formed against me shall prosper Mm -hmm. asking whatever it is that you believe in god goddess source creator Mm -hmm. inner guidance system Mm -hmm. logic if you're just a very logical thinker you know how do i heal from this yeah how do I start to, mm. to, and what's on the other side of the healing? What are you seeking from the other side of healing? It usually would mm. come down to me, mm. to love. You know, what, what are you trying, what are you hoping to feel from being healed? Mm-hmm. Um, or equanimity, which would just be in this kind of context, peace of mind. Peace yeah. of mind. Because as you were saying earlier, it's really our inner world. It's our thoughts. Yeah. Or it could be like a memory of mm-hmm. an experience that's creating a feeling, that's creating a body response. It's stored, stuck energy packets in the body mm-hmm. that we can shift and release. And, you know, this moment right here, whenever you're listening to this, this is the first moment of the rest of your life. Right here, right now. Yeah. Like, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. How do you want to feel? And what is coming through for you to help you get there? Yeah. Yeah, every every conscious moment is a chance for a new beginning. Um, I heard that somewhere, but yeah, it's I think it's very true. You know, every, every conscious moment is a chance for a new beginning. You know, it's and I think that's part of just like to to waking up to the uh, yeah the idea that you can heal, that you can you are worthy of happiness. You know, and it may for some people may be a long drawn out process to get to that place of realization. Some people it'll just it'll just wake up one day and just kind of like that. You know, that sick and tired of being sick and tired, just like, you know what? I, I can be happy. I do deserve happiness. I can take charge. I may not know how, but I'm going to do it. And then, you know, going about that process. Um, and I really like the way that you said, you know, asking, you know, whatever, you know, form of belief system that you have, you know, how do I go about this? You know, I love the idea that you went from like gods, goddesses, inner guidance, intuition, and also like logic. I think that 
all of those, it, it allows people to realize there's many different ways to resonate with how you begin that process, how you go about it. And I personally don't believe that it's always going to be the same thing. Um, I think for me, I, I, I got very into spirituality as I started my healing process, just kind of like, what is there beyond what I'm always told, you know, and then it went to philosophy. And then it kind of came back to a place of like, you know what you need, you just have to listen, you know, to to your whether it's to your body or to your mind or to your heart, to your inner child, like you were a very intelligent creature, but intelligence comes in all different forms. Intelligence is not just, oh, I'm good at math, I can build rockets, I can speak clearly and understand words. It's, I mean, I think true, the most significant form of intelligence is the intelligence of this is what I want and need to thrive. You know, anything beyond that is, I mean, maybe nice, but it's, it's not essential. You know? Right. For sure. And you know, awareness brings choice. Like oh, yeah. something drew you to this podcast, to this mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah, I hear by accident. Really powerful conversation. Something drew you here. Something made you say yes. Something, mm -hmm. you know, whether you are listening from the beginning or you're like, let me just randomly fast forward because I'll yeah. do that. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what is in this for me? What do I need to hear? <laughs> I have two minutes, right. and you're right now hearing this. Yeah, you know. Something brought you here, and mm -hmm. when we have that awareness that we do get to change, because oftentimes we're so stuck in our habitual ways of thinking, like our brain likes to mm -hmm. regurgitate things over and over and over again, and yeah. then you just keep creating the same experiences because mm -hmm. you keep believing it to be true, so right. you keep perceiving those things. Um, mm -hmm. And perception is, is so much of what we see in the world is our perception of that experience, whether we're conscious and aware that we're perceiving it and we're thinking continual thoughts mm -hmm. about that experience, or we're kind of like, hmm, like I'm, I'm continuing to believe this to be true, but it keeps showing up in my reality. That's kind of interesting. But mm -hmm. when we have awareness that we can make a change, big or small, mm -hmm. tiny, humongous, just a pivot, say, oh, you know, let me, instead of focusing on this thing in front of me, let me focus on something I enjoy for 30 seconds, you know, whatever that is, maybe yeah. your kids smile, maybe yeah. a flower, maybe an animal, maybe mm -hmm. working out, something that brings you joy in that moment. Right. You've changed your experience. You physically, mm -hmm. physiologically changed how you feel in your body by thinking mm -hmm. about something mm -hmm. and imagining it either in the present or actually looking at it or touching it or smelling it or tasting it. Mm -hmm. um, and in that moment, you've changed your perception. And when you pivot back to the, to whatever you're thinking about for other than that, that's a new experience for you. It's a new scene in your life. It's a new experience. So when we have that awareness of choice, it helps us begin to pivot to say like, okay, mm -hmm. What, what would I like to focus on right now? What would feel good to think about? What do I want? Why do I want it? Mm -hmm. what, what's here for me? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that awareness 
I like that you use that word. I think that um, I'm hesitant to say that there's necessarily a goal to something like meditation or a psychedelic experience. I think that there's, I would say there's kind of like a bubble of, you know, very similar goals that are generally what someone may be seeking when they enter these kinds of realms. And I think that one of the most desirable outcomes is that awareness. I think that it can be, you know, because I, at least for me, I thought like when I first started meditating, I was like, all right, this is supposed to do, yes, but it's going to make me feel better. I sit here, I breathe, I think, yeah, I, and then, all right, whatever, I'll end up feeling better. And then I think what took me a long time to realize, and I think what is a struggle for a lot of people, at least for those who I've talked to who we may have talked about how they're not feeling great, things like that. And I'm like, have you tried things like meditation? And what I've heard from a lot of people is, um, and also people who like, I know people who don't like do any form of psychedelics or anything like that or smoke marijuana um, because they're like, I don't know, I get these weird thoughts that I don't like. I, I think about bad things and I'm like, that's kind of the point. <laughs> that's kind of the point. <laughs> is there's, you need to bring awareness to whatever is going on in your internal world that either needs to be shifted or purged. You know, it's if if when you're just alone with yourself and your thoughts, and I'm not saying it's it's something to do all the time. I think that that's tough even for the most healed and you know successful or whatever. Like we, I think we do have a, a kind of a good balance of people of needing to be and needing to do. We're just naturally kind of doers to that degree. So unless you're a monk or something, yeah, just sitting there with your thoughts all day is a bit odd. Um, but you, you should be able to do it for, you know, at least a few moments, for a few minutes, you know, for five, ten minutes. If you can't do that without kind of being in a state of despair of like having all these, all these bad thoughts, then that means there's work to be done. And that's all that is supposed to happen. The awareness of there's work to be done the awareness of I can, there is, I, I, I can be active in this process. You know, I can take control. Yeah. And, um, you know, meditation can be a whole nother discussion and unpacking yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, but I invite people, you know, meditation, just, you know, kind of quickly for the sake of time today and to be, you know, honoring of everybody's time. It does not necessarily, in any way, shape, or form, mean sitting cross-legged. Oh and, no! And you know, go, you know, finding wisdom mudra something. Yeah, right. Um, it could, mm -hmm. but there's so many different forms of meditation. And for me, mm -hmm. when I when I teach meditation, when I think about meditation, it's just tuning into ourselves. It's just taking a moment to connect with ourselves. And sometimes when we give ourselves that chance and, you know, we we put down our phones, although some people may find their phone to be meditative. They zone out with a game or, like, yeah. sometimes yeah. they zone in. They zoom in with, a, with, with something that allows them to just, like, be with themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we get to – sometimes that's the only chance in the day that we've actually had to say, like, oh – what is this thought? You know, right. what, like, what's, what's happening in my mind? Mm -hmm. And 
it's just a moment to just truly be with ourselves. Whatever that looks like and arises mm-hmm. in the moment, it could be crying, it could be laughing, it could yeah. be doing the dishes, it could be going for a walk, yeah. it could be petting your your favorite animal, it could be connecting with another human, you know, there's so many, many, many forms of different of meditation, which is really being with yourself. And uh, one of my teachers says, you know, in order to have a clean kitchen, you have to do the dishes. Yeah. And that could be like, you have, you, you get to choose to look at these thoughts that are coming through your mind. You get to mm-hmm. choose to, 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 bring up a text that really irritated you to mind and say like, okay, I feel irritated about this. I feel annoyed. I feel sad. I feel mad. I feel frustrated. I feel hurt. I feel unheard, whatever the emotion is. And then you're like, okay. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's done. Like I, now I'm going to let that go when I'm ready. When I'm ready. And the bless and release it and say like, okay, it's done. Now now, now, how do I, how can I find peace in this moment if that's what you're seeking or whatever it is that you're seeking? Love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. happiness. Motivation. Yeah. 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 I think that I I know I've definitely shifted from, and when I try and explain it to people when they ask me about these kinds of things, I say that it's, it's, yeah, it's less important to find some form of meditation as it is to find things you find meditative. Exactly. You know, yeah, because that, that can be anything for, you know, anyone. Like some, like I think a good example is like some professional athletes. Some of them really strive because when they do what they do, they get into this like hyper state with their body, their mind, their spirit then that's part of why they love doing it. They like being in that state of like really ramped up. So maybe nothing else does it for them and they like being in that state. But there's also those where it's like they do it and they may do it at a really high level, but they could be, yeah, they could be just washing the dishes. They could be doing their taxes in terms of their demeanor and their internal state. It's just for them, it's just like, yeah, it's just kind of what I do. Um, I know for me, like I really like, Something that most people like would find like tedious. Like, yeah, like washing dishes is a great example. I actually love washing dishes. People are like, what? I'm like, yeah, I, I find it calming. I find it meditative. It's just, it's very simple. You know, a lot of things in our life require thoughts and decisions and input from others. And it's just like, no, I just, I just wash this dish. And then when I'm done, it feels like I've accomplished a task. And that's something that feels good to me. And it's like, uh, you know, if that feels meditated for me, I'm not going to wash dishes every time I feel upset. <laughs> but it's about <laughs> getting into that awareness of, oh, I was kind of up in my head, but now I'm just washing dishes and it all kind of went away. Oh, you know, I was up in my head, but then I listened to this kind of music and it all went away. You know, like, or, oh, I was doing yoga and I was able to realize, huh, this thing that happened the other day made me more upset than I realized because I was finally just like, not thinking about other things, like finding those experiences that work for you to be in a meditative state, even if it is just for a few seconds. Right, exactly. And to me, meditative meditation or finding a meditative state is an act of self-love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you are tuning into yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's an act of self-love, whatever that looks and feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an act of self-love. And 
you know, as householders, uh, you know, maybe we have some awesome monks or nuns or people that are like solitary listening to this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, you know, it's available to everybody. But yeah. my guess is that most people who are tuning into this podcast today are householders. Right. And we are busy people. We are mm-hmm. like abnormally busy people, most right. of us, many of us, mm-hmm. um, you know, between like work and kids and household and these beautiful magic mm-hmm. devices that we get to have <laughs> to like create this, yeah. but it, it doesn't allow for presence. You know, many mm-hmm. of us spend hours like scrolling through things kind of like mm-hmm. mindlessly just numbing out as opposed yeah. to tuning in and feeling in, you know, numbing out or feeling into it mm-hmm. and creating those moments of presence, just sitting for a moment and breathing right. is so powerful for you. It's so powerful for you, you know, and it really shifts into your body and mm-hmm. into your true self. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to take a second to make a point that, um, I think what's really tough for a lot of people being as busy as they are, you know, like running a household and everything and having to do all this, these types of things, you know, work, career, children, all that. It's, I think it's very common to, for people to feel like, well, I don't have time for self-care or for meditation or to exercise or all of these things. And so that I say, and I've, and I've had to say this to myself and I continually have to say this to myself you don't have time, you make time. You can't go to the time store. You can't, you can't, (laughs) you don't go out back into the garden and grow some time. No, you make time. You, you know, you just like you made time to, you know, go pick up your kid from school or you made time to make dinner or whatever. You, you made time. You decided this is going to happen now or at this, you know, time throughout the day. And for a lot of those things, like, Picking up your kid or making dinner or something, you make those non-negotiables. This, the right. all, all the all other things will fall off of my list if I have to do this. And right. I think that with as much time as we do spend, like maybe mindlessly scrolling or something, we we do have time. Even if you're going, you know, if you're if you're in the bathroom, brushing your teeth in the morning, take 15 seconds just to stand there. If that's all you can give yourself throughout the entire day, if that's all, that's, I mean, that's all you literally have time for. Because after 15 seconds, your kid comes busting through the door, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, I need this. All right, you've taken 15 seconds, and now you can build upon that, or at least be proud of the fact that I did give myself this little bit of self-love today. Right. And, yeah, there, there's so many beautiful gems in that. I mean, it's making time. It's choosing time. It's yeah. choosing things that are loving to ourselves it's choosing things you know maybe it's 15 seconds of saying thank you maybe it's smiling maybe it's saying you know what i'm just gonna curl the corners of my mouth up for two seconds three times today and see what happens yeah and and all we have is is an exact moment you know time is pretend it's (laughs) like the next day in new zealand that's yeah. <laughs> like you know, early morning in Hawaii or right. whatever time you're watching it. Time's completely pretend. It's mm. moment to moment mm. creating the life that we want to live and the yeah. feelings that we're seeking from that. And yeah, I hear that all the time, you know, as a mm. client, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. 
you know, what choices are you making with how you spend your time? Yeah. You know, what, mm -hmm. where can you create a few moments of self-love, self-care, whatever mm -hmm. that looks and feels like to yeah. you. And just realizing that we're in habitual patterns, like we talked about before, yeah. you know, we're mostly running through the same sequence of events and we get to choose to create new patterns for ourselves. We, yes. we get to say, actually, I am choosing me and I am choosing a little bit more happiness in my life. And I am choosing to, you know, maybe instead of watching, you know, and maybe looking at where you are spending your time, what are mm -hmm. you doing? You know, maybe you're watching the news for 20 minutes in the morning and that feels important to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could maybe considering saying like, okay, let me watch the news for 10 minutes mm. and then spend 10 minutes exercising or yeah. 10 minutes doing yoga or smiling or laughing or looking at something funny or uplifting or connecting with a loved one or going outside, whatever it is, you right. know, just saying, where am I spending my time and what choices do I actually want to do around spending? Mm. Yeah. yeah that kind of that uh that balance that balance i think is super important i know i'm i'm constantly finding it for myself that balance always uh experimenting with new routines and things like that you know like for the longest time i would yeah maybe wake up and perform a certain activity have a certain routine listen to a certain kind of music and then you know just one day i'll just be like is this, is this making me feel the way I want to feel? Is this making me happy? Am I enjoying this? And it may be as simple as let me listen to or watch this sort of material after I've worked out. Or maybe I need to not work out in the morning. Maybe I need to work out in the evening. Maybe I need to just stretch or something in the morning. Kind of finding that balance of like, what do I need when I need, you know, and, and being okay with that. Like being super revved up for a workout. And it's like, you know what? I just want to chill on the couch and watch TV and eat some chips. Now, I think it's very easy to do that every time, but sometimes it's just like, yeah, you got to really tune into your body. Do I just not want to work out or is it like, do I actually need to rest? If right. you wake up after, you know, working out hard four or five days in a row or something, it's like, I feel like crap. I just kind of want to lay down. Go lay down. If you feel like crap because you've been laying on the couch for the past five days, go get up. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Examining the why. Why do I feel exactly. like crap? Do I feel like crap because I'm exhausted and I'm maybe, you know, I'm not feeling my best and actually a nap is the act yeah. of self-love for me right now or do I feel like crap because that's all I've been doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that uh, So, awesome. Well, kind of like wrapping it back up to our mm. first quote and another one that really came to me from Rumi also is mm -hmm. love is our core, our nature and fear has built up these walls. And I think we've talked a lot mm -hmm. about that through our conversation in, in different ways today, but love is our essence. Love is our core. Yeah. And, you know, we just really invite you to tune into that, tune into that and remember that you are love. You yes. are love. You are the essence of love. Love is endured through you. All right. Well, is there is there anything else you want to leave us with? Do you want to do you know any promotions? Maybe where people can find you if they're interested in, in working with you after this experience. However, you want to close it out. Sure. 
Um, well, I am just launching my TikTok as we're filming this, so this is exciting. So awesome. it's a line to joy on TikTok. And on Instagram, I'm line underscore to underscore joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on Facebook, it's Shula Stern, S-H-U-L-A-S-T-E-R-N. And, um, you know, I have lots of opportunities available, different courses, as well as very limited space for private clients, if that's something that really resonates with you. And as well as online yoga classes. And I just want to leave you with coming back to our hands over our heart. Let's just tune in to the core of who we are and our essence for just Mm -hmm. a minute or so before we close out today. And if you do one thing or listen to one thing throughout this entire podcast, I invite you to do this. All right. One Let's hand, take a minute. Then the other over our heart. Fluttering your eyes closed or finding a soft focal point. If you're driving, please keep your eyes wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Just breathing in and out. Just feeling this connection to your heart chakra. Your true self your divine self, your highest self, whatever word or energy resonates with you. Breathing in and out. And then saying out loud or in your head, I choose love. I choose love. I choose love. I choose love. I am love. I am love. I am love. And I am lovable exactly as I am. Mm -hmm. I am lovable exactly as I am. I am lovable exactly as I am. Yes, you are. One more deep breath in and out. Staying here as long as you like, or releasing your hands and opening your eyes when you're ready. Well, well, thank you so much for having me, Avi. I appreciate it. And I'm just sending everybody lots of love, lights, and good energy today. Thank you so much, Shula. Thank you so much for joining us and for that little meditation. I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today, Shula. It's always a wonderful experience. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Have a great time, everybody. Bye. Are you done recording?